Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a producer and Women in Film and Television board member. On 20th of July, Women in Film and Television Ireland hosted a very special event, Greater Later, Building Sustainable Careers. The event was supported by Screen Ireland. The series of talks celebrated the remarkable achievements of women in the industry who have found success often later in their careers. The day began with a lively and honest panel discussion featuring three exceptionally talented women, Audrey O'Reilly, Patricia Kelly and Geraldine McAlinden. They shared their experiences and insights, showcasing careers fueled by perseverance and accomplishments. Okay, so if I may, I will begin with Patricia. She was just sent here by a private jet from Go Away From Far. No, but Patricia, we know each other, we've worked together, and so I know your body of work very well. Uh, but to to uh, our guests here, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit how how did it happen that you are here now with your new first feature? Thanks, Yarrow. Um, well, I, I started off as an actor uh, a million years ago. Um, and did that for a few years and then took a break from that to go and do the sensible things like, you know, buy a house and, you know, uh, have kids and things like that. Um, and then came back to, to creative life after that. I, I uh, decided I really wanted to focus on, on learning the craft of, of uh, screenwriting. So I went to the IADT to do the Masters in Screenwriting there. Um, and uh, that was roughly 10, 11 years ago. And so since then, up until a couple of years ago, I was really just focusing on writing, 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 sending it out, trying to get it read, not getting it read, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I just really out of, out of pure frustration um, in, in, in 2019, I embarked on, on uh, making short films, really initially just to get a credit. Uh, because, because a friend of mine who was in, in, uh, writer's group, um, he just went out and made a short and had a credit. And I was like, bloody hell, after all this time, after all this effort, I still haven't got a goddamn credit. So really it was through just doing that, that I, that I said, okay, off, off I go and, uh, made my first short with yourself and, and carried on then with that. And so after, after doing a few of them, I, I, uh, one, one of the catalysts really was I, I was made COVID redundant from the day job, um, in 2020, I think, or anyway, whenever it was. And, um, I thought, all right, if ever I was going to, you know, get to grips with, with, uh, bringing a, a micro budget, um, first feature into the world, this is, this is the time. Wow, and what a what a film you've made. I don't think you could tell that that was a micro-budget film, if, for those of you who've seen it, those of you who haven't, didn't do. Um, and so, Geraldine, so you you play the lead role in, in Patricia's movie, Marion, and I just, just a little bit of a personal backstory to my introduction to your uh, genius. Uh, I, I moved here 11 years ago, and I Geraldine would pop up every once in a while in some short or in a TV series, and uh, I also had the privilege to to work with you on a, a, another low budget feature, Who We Love, a few years ago that came out. And uh, when I watched you in in the scene that was that, that your character had, I was thinking, how the hell is it possible that you don't have a feature 
where you're the lead, like, and not just one, like, but like a dozen. And so when Patricia announced that she was casting you uh, for this feature, I just thought, this is the most incredible thing for Patricia and for you. And so really well done. Um, I want to ask you, um, what, what was your journey been like to this point, like to getting here? How did you experience it? Long. <laughs> I, no, I started acting classes just as a, as a relief from the day job back in 2000. I, and then I sort of caught the itch. And so I do part-time classes in the Gaiety School for a couple of years. And then I went on to do courses at the weekend in the Focus Theatre. And then just anybody who was coming to town doing an interesting course, Margie Haber, uh, the Actors Studio, uh, which I know I know Roisin has definitely done that one with me. <laughs> uh, the comedy, Actors Comedy Studio. And just picking up courses along the way. And I was so proud to get my equity card in about... 2007 mm -hmm. but still working away and then 2008 I think I got an agent and I then um, it came to 2011 11, 2011 2012 and I kept saying I'm going to leave the day job and, and go off and be a full-time actor and I, I was in a job that was too well paid to do that and, right. <laughs> I, and I was also saving for a deposit but just with family events that happened and lost my mum in 2010 and then I, I my brother-in-law dropped dead uh, from a clot in his leg at 47 uh, in 2011 and I just remember thinking everybody keeps talking about this great big pension you're going to have but if you never get to enjoy it then you know and I just thought yeah bite the bullet use the deposit to live on see how it goes Three years later, I, I was back <laughs> temping. Um, but I, yeah, no, they, it, it really coincided with Kirsten and Sheridan setting up the factory. Because mm -hmm. um, that's when I decided, right, I'm going to go full time. Because I'd been getting nice wee bits and pieces and doing mainly theatre and directing a bit of theatre then as well. The Attic Studio was amazing because um, there's such a collective of all disciplines that, that I went to that for about 14 years. So I, if it hadn't been for that, I think I probably would have still been doing, like, being lucky enough to get into Amdram somewhere. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But it just, meeting with like-minded souls, um, sort of give you the impetus to work on stuff. And then, as I said, I did the factory, which was great, and got some really lovely, really lovely um, roles from, from being recognised in that. And then about three years ago, I, I started thinking this isn't working out. <laughs> um, I'm still working. Like I've just come from the day job, the survival job, uh, logging off, going, I've got to get out the door. Um, but it's like it's really important to have those jobs. But sometimes they can kill your soul a wee bit just because you, you know what you'd love to be doing. Um, but very grateful that it keeps a roof over my head. Um, and then I, so I'd started sort of registering for recruitment firms again. So I get these messages through about, their jobs that would pay a wee bit better and I, I, so I keep one eye on that and then um, and I auditioned for Patricia's film Cost, Cost You Nothing mm -hmm. and I didn't get the part but I loved auditioning with her it was like just a really really lovely I think we spent an hour mm. uh, and and I completely agreed with the actress who did get it uh, Diane she was amazing in it I was like yeah she's a casting genius <laughs> uh, so when it came around again and I got to audition for her again on, on Vertigree it was uh, it was amazing I'd just been accepted onto the Masters in IADT and uh, so I was thinking diversify maybe maybe move into writing if I can 
And the Friday before I started the Masters, uh, I found out that I got the, <laughs> the part in, in the film. That's so, incredible. yeah, just amazing. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you, Geraldine. And, and what about you, Audrey? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I know of you from, from Fire City, but I also know you've done uh, multiple shorts and, and TV series as well. Yeah. And I believe I've seen you tweet that you've been shadowing recently on... Yes. Was it hid, hidden assets or what? No, what was it was it? on the tourist. On the tourist. Yeah, okay. uh, under Lisa Mulcahy, and that was fantastic. So okay. basically, I mean, I adored film from, you know, from early childhood, but it never seemed like an option in Ireland at in the seventies and the eighties. And then I was away on Erasmus. I did a very mediocre uh, BA and was off uh, living in Italy and uh, I saw this thing inadvertently though in an article that my aunt sent me for a film portfolio preparation course for film school mm-hmm. in in IADT which was at Dunleary College of Art and Design and it literally was that sort of light bulb moment of that's what I have to do so came back got into that um was part of a very driven class graduated and I have to say graduated and hit the ground running. Myself and Kirsten Sheridan, we co-wrote a screenplay and we won a big award for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a shortcuts uh, that won loads of prizes, a short a short short that I wrote, uh, got into Cannes. Um, oh my God, I was just like flying. <laughs> oh, okay, so let, what happened there? And trying to make a feature as a woman in Ireland was not happening it was just not happening we were writing them it was but it was just we kept on just coming up against uh the glass ceiling i suppose and mm-hmm. um, then i did do a tv series for tg Cahar, mm-hmm. um and i'd also done a short for them which is actually if any of you have kids of a certain age they'll have definitely done it for their leaving cert and now their junior cert uh but yeah the, the feature was very elusive uh the tv series was uh, was fantastic it's it's constantly on a loop on tg Cahar still but painful at the same time. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go to Paris for three months on an mm-hmm. artist residency in the Irish Cultural Centre. And as I say, I kept on kind of going back and then I just neglected to go home uh, for <laughs> three, for about 12 years. I, and I think one of the very sort of key parts of my surviving in this industry is I haven't, uh, I haven't done the mortgage thing. I don't have a house. I don't have kids. I I have a plant, but it's in a friend's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and like in Paris, I was very much doing the sort of uh, like I was writing um, constantly. That's all I did. Um, I've written for Gaumont. Uh, I had a TV series option to turn on NBC Universal. Worked with people like Billy August. Had a really bizarre interview with. Uh, Fergie and Princess Beatrice about a project that luckily never came to be. <laughs> Strange things like really now grungy artist blah blah. Um, then between the COVID, then during COVID, I was back and forth between Ireland and Paris, always with the quarantine, I promise. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw a thing for Fair City, like multi camp director course, mm-hmm. and I was doing this mad thing gather a hundred rejections where you put in for everything and it'll build up your resilience which is a very important part of staying in this industry but got it <laughs> and started directing Fair City and it just reminded me and I mean it's crazy but it just reminded me how much I love directing even at that pace at that speed at that under those circumstances 
this mm-hmm. was my happy place. So I've kind of have come back for that and a few other reasons to Ireland for the time being. I'm kind of living out of a big suitcase uh, based in Cork. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of going full on on that. And then I, I'm i going to be going across to my first block of EastEnders uh, in a couple of weeks. And okay. then hopefully, I was shadowing also on Emmerdale a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully that'll come into play. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to try and trot after Hannah's. Oh, well. Because I literally have I think we're all going. <laughs> but what was fantastic is that when you were looking at what the guys did, yeah. coming back into the industry where there has been these trailblazers, because it's a very different industry to the one that I left, I was able to look up Dervla Walsh. I was able to look up Hannah. I was able to look up Nasa Hardiman. Those are the inspirations that have been out there mm-hmm. paving the way for the rest of us now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so wonderful. You'll see. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, uh, go from you saying that you couldn't get a feature made in Ireland to Patricia and ask, How did you get your feature made? <laughs> What had to go in it? Um, a big old loan from the credit union <laughs> because unfortunately I wasn't uh, lucky at any of the stages of trying to get official funding. So it was just through sheer bloody mindedness. I went, stuff you, I'm doing it anyway. Um, so I borrowed as much as I could and invited, uh, the fabulous, um, Paul, uh, Fitzsimons, who's here to, to join me on the adventure as a co-producer. Um, and he's, he's been, he's been, he's been great. Uh, so really it's been, it was terrific to, to share the journey, uh, with Paul. Um, so I very, very, I, I very specifically wrote um, Verdigree in order to be able to be made for a tiny sum of money, to be able to be made over 15 days um, and with a small cast and small crew um, and, and, you know, be kind of very, you know, we shot handheld so that we could be kind of light on our feet and all that. So all of those kind of practical considerations and mm-hmm. a few of our HODs are in the room as well. And uh, they, they were uh, some, some I've worked with before. Some, some were brand new, but, you know, being really kind of straight up front with what the parameters were, what the limitations were. And, you know, some, sometimes people said, look, I'd love to, but I, 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 I can't feed my family if I work for that rate. And I'd say, absolutely, I fully understand, hopefully, another project, you know, uh, down the line. Maybe there'll be more money, you know, uh, but That's thankfully, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thankfully, uh, some, some fabulous people, uh, came on board, uh, with me and, and, and we, we just got cracking then, you know, so I think, I think it really was key having the kind of confidence to, to, to write something that I felt having made the shorts and so on that I, I knew could be made. With, with with real limitations it was actually my second attempt at that mm-hmm. uh, I have a what will ho- I hope will be my next feature I thought that was the script I thought okay this is the one I'm going to make but then when I broke it down and, and figured out it just couldn't be made for this tiny yeah. sum, of, sum of money low budget yes but not this micro you know mm-hmm. uh, so that was it basically and I think for, you know deciding to just pick dates and say I picked a, a, a six-week window Um, between January and January and February, I, I, I knew that, you know, crew were often a little bit still quiet that time of the year. So that's basically why we chose that. And then I, when I, when I asked Paul, did he want to, uh, get, 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 get on board last year? He said, could it be ready for Galway? And I said, Dear God, go away. The, <laughs> that, that deadline is mid-March. I was like, well, we'll give it a go. <laughs> so we, we basically shifted it then to the first of the, the three, the first three weeks of the six week period. And basically kind of as soon as we got dates then, told everybody this is what we're doing and we just just barreled on through mm-hmm. got the casting going um got crewing up and just you know said listen you know it's probably not going to be the most perfect film that anybody has ever made in in the history of cinema but you know it'll 
it'll be ours and yeah. we're, we're, we're hugely proud of it. I, that's wonderful that you're saying this because out of like I work many, with many different directors and filmmakers but I have to say Patricia is is really one of the most determined and if she says she's doing something she does it mm-hmm. and you can trust that it will get completed because uh, I'm sure you know we've all made short films that we've never seen so I think that's that's real credit to you that you you just set your mind to it and you go for it and I know that a lot of lot of uh, maybe short film filmmakers uh, try to go for funding and it can be years of no's and waiting for that one small bursary <laughs> And yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, it just doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't happen. More more it more often it doesn't than it does. So I really admire this in you, Patricia. That you, how do you say it in in English? You put your foot money money where your mouth is. Exactly. Um, okay. And so then I will ask you, uh, Geraldine. Um, you portray you portray a, a role uh, in this movie of a woman who has just retired. Right, and so I, if we go say those seven, eight years back when you said, Hannah, that, that, that this wouldn't be happening, we probably wouldn't have seen that movie then. So I just wonder, how do you feel about portraying this specific woman and what do you think it speaks to, like, as far as the film climate these days? Um, well, I think, first of all, uh, Patricia's writing is just amazing. Any actress reading that script would only beg to get that role. Um, did you? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to be cool. I did try to be cool. Um, but, but you know what? It's testament to you, Patricia. I don't think I, I said this to you. Um, in our chemistry audition, which was the third audition, the first was self-tape, and then there was one in the room, and then myself and Maya, and then somebody else who, who was possibly going to play my husband. Um, like I was really nervous going in, but Patricia has a way of putting you at such ease and giving you such freedom that by the time it was time for me to leave, leave the room and the other guy was coming into audition with, with um, Maya, um, I just had a great time acting. And I was like, right, lovely to meet you. And it was Patricia who said, we'll be in touch in a week. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this is an audition. <laughs> That's never happened before. Okay. Um, but it was such a lovely experience. But to go back to your question about a, a woman of this age, um, yeah, I mean, so many women are invisible in the world, um, not just because of age, but... Also, the coercive control element is such an important part of the story. Um, and in my former life as a lawyer, I would have tried to get injunctions for women and men who had been victims of domestic violence. Um, and I just remember being... Uh, I, I remember a couple of clients coming to mind, one in particular, one, one lady who'd managed to get her family from, uh, from Scotland down to Manchester, uh, five mm-hmm. kids and herself, and she, she'd been through a horrendous time. And sorry, yeah, yeah, no, I was just saying, um, I, I had had experience of representing women seeking injunctions and I just been so full of admiration that they had had the strength uh, and resilience to, to, to break away from very coercively controlling and violently controlling relationships. So I suppose the opportunity to serve them in the story was, was a really real one for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but also then just the lightness and brightness of the friendship as well and, and the, you know, the two spectrums of the age and where you are in life. Uh, there was just so much in the script. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a joy. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so just because I, I touched on the fact that you play uh, 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 an older woman, uh, which was not maybe seen before on screen, uh, I wonder, do you feel that 
we as women making movies, are we expected to only make female stories or can we make male stories as well? I, I know the answer, but mm -hmm. I just wonder how are we perceived? Um, um, I, to be fair, as a writer, I've been asked to write um, things about guys as well. Um, and so, so you're not being films. boxed into right women No, characters. I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do feel a sort of um, a feeling that uh, I want to... I mean, I actually I actually like telling what male... I seem to have a father-son thing happening mm -hmm. uh, and uh, female stories. So, no, I don't feel utterly boxed in, no. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that we... Uh, I hate this thing of saying, there needs to be more parts for older women written. And you're like, no, there needs to be more parts for older women funded because we are writing them but mm -hmm. I do not want to feel obliged to just write one sort of thing mm -hmm. and I what about I, I don't think uh, from my perspective I think that the, when, when you talk or when people talk about stories uh, filmmaking stories um, the, the default I think is still assumed to be a story about a man mm -hmm. um, more often than not um, you know, especially in terms of commerciality and so on. So, so no, I don't think that uh, I, I don't feel that it would be, you know, assumed that I would write a woman. I think it would be female characters and so on. I think it would kind of still, underneath, be assumed that you know that the, the default really is you know mm -hmm. straight white males uh, um, are, are you know are, are, are characters in stories. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, it's a really interesting question. A I suppose I can only speak to myself and the kind of stuff that I like writing. Um, and they're always stories of human connection. Um, yeah. So all of my stories in IADT have started a middle-aged woman. <laughs> um, because yeah, I want to write for myself, uh, you know, or if not, plenty of the other middle-aged women out there. But, um, but I think a good story is a good story. And, you know, if you have your initial beside your name and nobody knows what it is then it'll, it'll hold good mm -hmm. you know um, I if the expectation out there is you will only get writing jobs if you write as a woman I'll be happy to serve female stories but I do think that the world is, is a rich place and men have a place in it as well mm -hmm. um, but for funding I'd love to see more funding of women's stories okay. women also, writers like women women observe men possibly in a way that men don't observe women you know, because our safety has depended on it. Mm -hmm. We're very aware of the male sphere. We like because of our safety. Whereas mm -hmm. often, I think men, women are they see themselves reflected in women's gaze. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think we've a lot to say. Mm -hmm. You know, that'll be very that could be very very valuable. And even the know? fact that women open up more about you know we we. It's been scientifically proven women use more words a day than men. You know, where we have, I think, maybe more empathy, you know, or certainly we, we are um, more fluent at expressing our emotions than men are. Uh, and I think with that comes the, the ability to put yourself in uh, situations, men, men situ like to see something from a man's point of view as well. You know, so I, I think we're well capable of telling both. Yeah, because we have to be hyper alert. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And uh, uh, Audrey, I wanted to uh, also ask you about something that you mentioned. You said that you, uh, or I brought it up first, that you were shadowing uh, yes. recently. So I want to know what's the story with that? Why are you why why are you shadowing? Do you have to? 
And this is not personal. This is more like, do women really have to shadow someone? To um, I think on that scale of project, I was I hadn't been out on the scale of project like the tourist. Uh, I mean, like I was overshadowing on EastEnders and actually when I went to interview for it, they were like, oh yeah, we'll give you a block. And I was like, I know I would like to come over and shadow because I wanted to see how that beast works. So I kind of can hit the ground with a bit more confidence, do you know? Brilliant. And the same for um, for the tourist. Uh, like it's a much bigger animal. I want to see mm-hmm. that in operation. So it's actually more me um, gathering learning uh, from my peers. Um, I, don't, I don't feel that I felt that, oh, I have to shadow because I need to get, you know, Fantastic. It wasn't going out. It was that. It's fascinating. I mean, when I was out in the tourists, they had the volume, which is this fantastic thing for doing car shots. Like, I learned a lot. And mm-hmm. I mean, I want to do more shadowing to get out. And it's lovely to be out shadowing and not to be responsible for the, for the schedule. Yeah, you know? there you go. Um, so, no, I don't know is the, the aspect of you're a woman, so you have to shadow. It was a kind of a choice thing. Uh, thanks for saying that. I, I saw I saw Patricia shaking your head. Do you have something to add to this one? I, I had I hadn't really I hadn't thought about that as in kind of you know if as the benefit that you would get out of it very practically in terms of before you go and actually do it yourself you know and and mm. kind of see what the lie of the land is and something in something very different you know mm. um and i think it's 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 specific, it's great particularly if it's for a very practical reason like that that mm. makes a huge amount of sense yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, a call out to the national talent academy that are supporting people um, in doing that. Going, yeah, okay. That's because I I hear uh, kind of I can see both sides. Uh, some some women that uh, would maybe say uh, I'm trained to the inch of my life. Why do more shadowing or mentoring? The others yeah. w- would be actually if if it helps me, if I can learn something and it opens the door. So well, totally, because I'm not trained to the inch of my life. I mean, I've done a lot of shorts in a TV series, but they were of a certain uh, parameter. You know, um, so to, to run a big ship, it's you know, it's a, it's a not, it's it's the same job but bigger with more skills. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Like, I I would I would agree. I would agree. I, I, I found like such a luxury. I was I was yeah. shadowing Lisa as well. Yeah, she's she's, <laughs> she's great. She, you know, I did Red Rock as her shadow, mm. and um, God, I mean, it was such a luxury, and to be able to sit there and not have to worry about the extras yeah. and all the background, even though Lisa made me work as. So. Yeah, on, on Red Rock. But it was really a great place for me to go, okay, yeah, I could possibly do this. But it's because it's completely different when you've got another role to do, mm. like as an AD or whatever. Mm. To chat to people. And the amount, of, mm. yeah, the amount of stuff you can learn and mm. see how it's done and look at it. And, just a, and Lisa's great because she gets you to break down the whole thing as if you're going to direct it. And then oh, she shows you the deep end. So it's a really good, um, I think it's, I, I think it's useful. It was, Amazing for me, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well, and I, uh, I am only asking this because uh, you mentioned it, uh, during your introduction that uh, whenever there is a, a young, like a teenage girl or someone, that you would tell them, come check out films, you know, film industry, there are jobs, and so I, I, I think that often it can be associated that training or mentoring, shadowing is for up and coming filmmakers, young emerging. But we are all emerging at different times of our lives. And, are, and are re-entering. Exactly, like re-entering. re-entering. And so I, I personally uh, think that any kind of extra uh, 
help or, or uh, advice or wealth of information uh, and care I can receive from someone, I am wide open to it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, hopefully that's something that, that, oh, yeah. that you're experiencing as well. Okay. I think in filmmaking you do surround yourself with all the talents that you can possibly gather to learn yeah. from because yeah. it's so collaborative and you learn so much from each other. So yeah. mm. shadowing is the same. You're just surrounding yourself with all these skills mm. and you're learning from them. And mm. chatting and, and networking and the mm -hmm. whole thing it's, it's it's great fun i can <laughs> i can imagine mm -hmm. and so do you have a do you have a clear kind of vision of uh, th that it's going to help you uh, open up doors or that's not your primary objective oh well i mean um going over shadowing on eastenders definitely led to them giving me a block i mean they were kind of thinking about it anyway but you know it just had them more in you know, to have your face in front mm. of them. I mean, that's what I what I possibly put a slight pause on my career by going to Paris for because I wasn't directing there. We're directing one <coughs> short, so that kind of paused that side of my career. There was other massive advantages to doing that, however. But um, like say Emmerdale, I'd probably get a block because I went over and shadowed there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah, and it's all it's all stuff that you can talk about. You know, mm -hmm. and it's all that sort of networking and. Yeah, it's been in the been in the world yeah, of yeah. film. That's mm -hmm. very, that's something that I hadn't appreciated the value of okay. by taking myself out of it. Uh, and now that I'm back, like you'll see me at the opening of every fucking envelope going. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you. Uh, and, and Geraldine, Patricia, I'm I'm wondering. So you you just had this uh, film uh, awarded in in the FLA, uh, and um, like anyone anyone else is curious like where does it take you from here uh do you can you see a way forward like can you see a path uh, kind of emerging or is it all still in the in the open uh, unforeseen uh, i i've definitely noticed a, a, a huge shift in just people's attention you know people noticing me now because i have um because of a feature made and it's there to so so I mean, ask me in six months or a year, but yeah, but but yeah, I do. I, I have noticed a huge um, shift in, in in people's interest and attention and so on from moving from shorts to to feature. Mm -hmm. What about you, Geraldine? Um, it's all very new. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny because you you do build up your resilience to to knockbacks and and rejection. And about three weeks ago, I, I had the best, worst day of rejections. I got three in a row. I was like, my agent, God love, like, God love Amy in Lorraine Brennan. She had to tell me each time I'd go, and have you heard about this? Uh, sorry, it's a no. Uh, what about that? Sorry, that's a no. And, and she came back the third time. I knew she felt even worse than I did. But uh, you sort of lick your wounds. So I suppose super excited and, and super grateful for the, the lovely feedback that we've gotten mm -hmm. and, and just randomers coming up to you and like one guy coming up to me telling me that he he had spoken to his wife all about the film the, the, the night after it which you know you're there going oh yeah sweet nice. but um, <laughs> but I suppose uh, I, I did have an audition yesterday morning and I did feel the love in the room that I'd never felt before not, not that I don't feel the love in the room for an audition because usually you, you go in and you're nervous but you're trying to hide that but um, they were super nice. <laughs> they'd heard, they hadn't seen the film, but they'd heard about it, and okay. it was it was really like it's the first time genuine. And whether I get the part or not, um, walking into the room and just feeling that they really wanted to hire you, if you didn't mm -hmm. mess it up, 
um, then you know that that was lovely. Um, so uh, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, ideally, you'd love to be able to uh, afford a home because I paid my I spent my deposit on rent, um, and uh, and and basically not have to be rushing to things from the survival job. Um, so that that would be sweet as well. I love that term, survival job. Uh, and, and I meant to comment on you not having a, a house or children and having a plant at your friends in your I friends' bathroom. I think it's still there. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually, I mean, on a very serious note, I think that's that's been one of the primary reasons that I've been able to stay in the industry because it is so mm. it's so uncertain, um, and the fact that it is just me just me with a family that don't have money but would actually, you know, put a roof over my head, which my mother is in Cork at the moment when I go back there. I mean, Ken Wardrop made a very, very good point at a panel that we did. Do you know Ken, uh, documentary mm-hmm. maker? I thought it was very generous of him to say, and I think it's important to say, especially to younger filmmakers, that um, he was saying for young people coming out, when they see people like himself, Andrew Friedman, Ed Guiney, etc., etc., doing so well, it can be very easy to think that that's just talent and talent alone and they've got something that maybe these other guys that are struggling more that have to get the survival jobs don't have. And he said, no, a lot of what the people that survive in this industry have is some form of backup, be it family mm-hmm. or be it financial. Um, like he was saying for him personally, he won't mind me saying this because he said to that, he inherited a house that he Airbnb'd whenever he was starting to, you know, like when things times were lean. And that's very important to mm-hmm. to be very practical about. I mean, I can only do it because I've got I've got a high tolerance for massive uncertainty. Wow! And <laughs> teach fa- us, teach us. Yeah, and a family that will probably yeah. bail me out. I haven't needed them to, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I think those are things to take into account when embarking yeah. on such a crazy, uncertain career. Mm. You know, mm. and like um, if I had, I personally, um, I've never wanted kids, and. Because that makes a huge difference as well in a career. So mm. that's just been a quirk of me. But like it's it's helped me go off on yeah mm. this sort mm. of you know uh, a very sort of particular path. Mm. Thank and you. I think these are things to be thought of, thought about. <coughs> yeah, De- no? definitely. Except you know, um, or flexing your uncertainty muscle or your your tolerance for uncertainty. That's a uh, mm. that's a challenge. Um, it is. But yeah, but the, but somewhere along the line, there's hope. You know, you're you're sort of hoping that this thing that you want to do for the rest of your life is, is it's a bit mad, mm-hmm. but that there other people have, have blazed the trail through it, and that if you just hang on, white knuckled, yeah. <laughs> laughing, they might look as if they've been blazing a trail, but they might have been lighting a little fire here and a little fire there. Yeah, it's so not linear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, absolutely. Oh my God, it's not yeah. linear. But I, Patricia, like oh. you, you have managed to to get both. Um, you have the family. You have the, my lovely co-star Derek, um, <laughs> uh, and you have, uh, both of your sons as well were, were heavily involved in the film. <laughs> I know, I um, roped in everybody. Every, everyone's in the film, <laughs> <laughs> even the dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'd like to open this up for, uh, to you here. Uh, if you have any questions, please uh, drop them in. But if there are no, yeah. No, it's just, uh, I just was really to say thank you to, to talk about the uncertainty and the ambiguity because I'm an old emerging 
writer, director, that's such a thing. <laughs> so music industry, but at an older age. So, and that has been a huge battle, kind of just kind of the, just, you know, we'll watch around the next corner, you get a nice little treat and then there's nothing, 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 nothing. And you, you, know, you know you don't want to keep looking at outcomes, you want to kind of focus on the process. Mm. But it is challenging. Have you any advice at that on that or just keep going? I think just what you said about focusing on the process rather than the outcomes because you have no control over those. I think what's actually also is very important is to have a life outside of this industry. Uh, that's that's one thing I did really well in Paris. I had um, <laughs> a big life outside of it. Party. So to Paris, But no, just having a very, creating a rich life outside because if you're putting all your sense of yourself onto this career it can be brutal and I mean now that I've come back I've met a few friends of mine that have done that and it's worn them down do you know um, and also what I do outside of my career um, nourishes the work as a writer as a person as a person that has you know much you know a, a richer experience I mean frequently in writing jobs it's not my CV my writing CV that's gotten me jobs it's something that I'm just chatting about what I've done up in a, in a refugee camp or something like that you know that that's what kind of makes a producer kind of going oh this person is a person with a, a life because you need a life mm -hmm. to put into your work mm -hmm. so yeah. that have a life outside mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. I'd add to that, get a credit union account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just say to add to that, this, this wouldn't be for everybody now, but I'm a very practical person. And so I prefer my, to, to, to work off a worst case scenario uh, basis. So, so for example, I, when I decided, okay, am I, am I actually going to, to do this and get myself very much in, in horrible debt and so on? I thought, okay, worst case scenario is never sell the film, never make money back, uh, and it's going to take me five years to pay it off. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of worst case scenario. And am I, am I, am I okay with that? Am I, well, am I prepared for yeah. that? And the answer was yes. So therefore, anything beyond that is, and anything, right. mm. any, anything better than that is great. You know, it's so it's just how I kind of keep my my sanity, and and it helps me. It's a good barometer for me if I kind of look at the worst case scenario. If nobody's ever going to pay me to do this ever, in any shape or form, am I still going to do it? For me, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. But I fully understand and appreciate why that's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. May I just say that I had an experience yesterday. I was thinking about women cinematographers uh, because I am one myself. And uh, uh, I remembered uh, um, a friend who studied cinematography with me at FAMU um, well, 13 years ago. And she's a German citizen, so I went and looked her up online. And I opened her page, her cinematography page, and she's got this one video after another, like a full, long, long, long scrolling page of films she shot. And I was immediately overwhelmed with this sense of envy. I was like, oh, the fuck did that happen? And, you know, you could, you could feel it. Like, why, why not me? You know, and then I clicked to her about me tab and it said, former, formerly a cinematographer, now a prime uh, school teacher. 
And I, I went back through her credits and she stopped filming in 2019 and she hasn't done it since. And she, I don't know the reason why she is not a cinematographer anymore, but I was all of a sudden overcome with an incredible sadness. And I would much rather envy anyone because I know they're going for it. They're doing it. They haven't given up. They, you know, they are trying still then, then be sad that they had to because I think I know you, you, you want to comment, but I think even if if it cannot be done as a living, as something that sustains you, at least as a passion, as a hobby, as a connecting with other filmmakers, I think it's still crucial that we do keep keep going. Hopefully, yeah, okay. Sorry, Ruth. No, no, just, just to follow along from that, from hmm. like I, I would have been through four film awards, so I've been here for thirty-five years. Trying to make questions, and only in 2019 made first position. But I just think what comes to mind is there's a price for everything, mm. and I think it's just being really clear and honest with yourself for the character that you are. Like I'd be a bit like Audrey. I have a high tolerance for uncertainty, but there's other people I know who will tip them into mental uh, yeah. stress and health that is really, no matter how much talent they have, is not in the best interest. So they would, they would need to go, right, I have to have some kind of income that is not dependent on this incredibly insecure world. And then then I think the question is, can I focus on process? In other words, for me, I was always very aware like that. I may never get to do what I want to do, but am I still able to pay the price of that? Or like that, and there's a price for having children and there's a price for not having. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a price for having a big, rich life outside of this industry. Maybe there's a price for not. Like, I just think it's come down to what's right for each person. And and being really honest about what this industry requires. And Mm. it doesn't owe anybody anything. (laughs) And it's highly competitive. And and we are tipping the balance. I mean, like that, I think I've been through a lot of glass ceilings. And we are tipping the balance so that it's, you know, that you can shatter. Like, I don't think I shadowed, like, I did Red Rock as well, and I didn't shadow, I'm so sorry, like, I think what I had that pain of being cultured in a world which was highly competitive, and was, I'm just going to just do it until if it kills me kind of thing, and yeah. instead of the luxury of feeling, it's not, uh, it's not a sign of a creative weakness to actually take time and go watch how do other people do it, it's a compassion to yourself, it's, it's a generosity to yourself. Um, maybe we didn't have the luxury before, but I think those opportunities are, are there. But just, I just think that's yeah. Really that's just before you go away I'll give you your 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 time that's an amazing beautiful sentiment I am just conscious that there are other guests coming but please have your have last word over yeah, there. Um, do you know Elizabeth Gilbert she wrote this yes. book Big Magic she kind of mm-hmm. says before embarking on a creative path and by the way all paths can be like Jesus my friends at Microsoft at home so that's craziness <laughs> but um, uh, what flavor of shit sandwich are you willing to? <laughs> <laughs> and it is like, I mean, yeah, what, what, like, you've got to have two slices of bread and some shit, and there's like, what flavor of shit are you willing to eat? And for me, it's the massive insecurity. That's know? a fantastic <laughs> way to end this panel. Wow.
Thank you, Audrey. If you would like to support the work we do, become a member at wft.ie or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash WFT Ireland. 